0: Or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com It's 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in
1: to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're joined by Aaron Barfield from Black Excellence and Cannabis out of Seattle. We're going to be talking about Washington and Seattle's cannabis scene. So let's just get right into it. Hey, Aaron, Miggy, and Tom. Happy Sunday.
2: Happy Sunday. Hello. Sunday. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. We're closing in on 10,000 subscribers. And so the poll that we have currently being asked to our viewers is, what do you want us to do for our 10,000th show? So, uh... Drop it in the comments down there What you want us to do for our 10,000th show Currently leading is uh, Giveaway stuff And so uh, we have tube tubes still Like Remember back in the day When the cannabis industry was a traveling Trove of
1: uh, Trade shows Like real In in real time events Like Aaron did you ever go to the events?
3: Which one? The trade shows? Yeah like
1: CannaCon and whatnot
3: Um yeah, I've been to a few. I went to uh, um, some huge ones down in Vegas that... Uh, yeah, it you know, will uh,
2: always be like the NJ BizCon or something. But Aaron, thanks for coming on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself to the people that are tuning in?
3: Uh, Aaron Barfield from Black Excellence in Cannabis. A um, uh, long-time uh, medical cannabis provider and patient, as well as uh, an activist to... Uh, fighting for inclusion for African Americans in uh, the regulated cannabis industry.
1: So during medical time, Tom I always blows Tom's mind when I talk about medical time. Like this great beyond, you know, reminiscing of when it was a capitalist market and we would you know hang out. But how many license? How many black owners were there at the time? I remember seeing your documentary.
3: Um, we don't know specifically uh, how many there were, but. Uh, we estimate in Washington, um, we you know there was probably about twenty percent of the market uh, was was African American owned, um, and that the estimates you know that there was approximately uh, two to three thousand um, dispensaries in the state of Washington at the height of uh, medical. How control. many are there now? Uh, just medical dispensaries or, um, no dispensaries recreational together. stores. In, uh, either,
2: either just dispensaries.
3: Uh, well, they pretty much shut down all the medical dispensaries. Um, and you're required to have a, um, you know, be licensed with the liquor and cannabis board here in Washington. Um, so basically you have to be licensed recreationally. Um, so we went from, you know, almost 3000 access points, uh, at the height of medical to uh, currently there's only a little over 500 stores for the whole state now.
2: Yeah, but that's still 500 stores. We have like 100 in Illinois. And Illinois is like 13 million people, not like five or six. It's crazy. But that's uh, what happened to the market then, because in other states, when a medical provider or a medical state becomes adult use, for example, in Arizona, they're just saying, hey, if you're if a license holder right now, uh, the first round, you get. Same with Illinois. It's like, hey, if you're a medical license holder, first round, you get. Was that not what happened in Washington?
3: No, not at all. They, uh, they basically just um, held a lottery that was, uh, you know, anything. Was it really but... a lottery,
1: though? Was it really?
3: <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm just saying... They claimed that there was a lottery um, and that it was done uh, – you know, uh, you know, without taking any any uh, demographics or anything into account, but uh, you know, in Washington, coincidentally, the way it worked out, that uh, by the vast majority of uh, people who were able to win this lottery and uh, obtain these licenses were white men.
1: I wonder if there was like a stoner statistician out there who can give us the numbers and probability of like the small percentage of black owners, minority owned versus like, I mean, for a lottery, you would think they put your number in a ball, right? Shake it up, pull it out. The odds are you're right. going to have at least a good mix.
3: You know? Well, um, well, actually Tom, I wanted to ask you real quick. So what year did Illinois pass their, uh, recreational
2: uh, recreational was passed in may of 2019 became effective uh first of the year this year and then they fairly orderly fashioned uh did their um applications at least to get the application and then as they were taking the submissions of the application that's when the coronavirus came in and really scotched the whole thing but it more than scotched the whole thing it exposed the. Um, prejudices and the duplicity and like, you know, the, how it almost appears rigged, um, by the scorer. And so like, it it just seemed like it wasn't very, very open to opportunities so much to the tune that 900 people, 900 teams, unique teams applied only 21 purportedly got a perfect score.
3: Wow. Yeah. But, um, you, you said you guys just passed this last year, right? That's right. And you already have over a hundred stores opened up. Well,
2: we had 55 medical dispensaries and they all got grandfathered plus one. Mm -hmm. And so if they all met and they they haven't done it all yet, uh, our plus one in our little hometown of Peoria, Illinois, just opened up a couple months ago. So a lot of the plus ones have come out and then they were going to award another 75. None of those have been awarded.
3: Wow. Yeah. So in Washington, we passed recreational in 2012. We wow. didn't even open up any stores until the end, uh, December, I believe, of 2014 was yeah. when the, the very first store opened up in is Seattle. This, is this because
2: of, um, and I don't mean to you know, cut you off, it just sounds like the difference between when the legislature's on board versus when the people say we want it and the legislature's like, we don't care. And so with Seattle, well, not just Seattle, of course, all of Washington state, wasn't this a ballot initiative that passed and then you were, you directed the legislature to do something, uh, in Illinois, it was completely backwards. Uh, The legislature, we can't vote. And so like, it has to come from the legislature and the legislature and JB Pritzker as the governor put it on the agenda and said, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's such unity of interest in the Illinois legislature, just like 70% Democrat or something that it got through. And so uh, that's why it moved so quick. We're going to see something, I believe, similar to what happened in Washington State in South Dakota. It appears that like they have litigation already that the sheriffs are bringing against the, the, the law that passed in South Dakota, plus the governor. And so like the administration that's involved uh, sounded very, very unimpressed. And so when the state's not on board at that state level, you can get those long delays and all this
3: chicanery that sounds like came out of Washington state. Well, I'm sure in South Dakota, all they care about is their fracking money anyway. So,
1: you know, you know, Washington, I think they took their time slowly trying to figure out how to kill medical.
3: It wasn't just,
1: uh, uh, not so much the process itself, but, you know, eventually they had legislation, SB fifty fifty two being the one that was a nail in the coffin. You know, there's only so many medical providers. There's only, uh, I think two markets that I know of. And, uh, you know it used to be a, like you said, three thousand providers across the state. I used to travel the state as a technician. I could go anywhere in any county with my prescription, and it was glorious. It was you walk into a store and there's so many strains and
2: Wait, explain the mythical past because, like, I hate how people always say back in my day, but it's a legit thing considering I have to buy when if I want to buy weed in Illinois and not grow my own as a medical card holder. Uh, I do need to go and you show your card, you get in, it's completely sealed, you're not allowed to inspect, you're not allowed to smell, you can barely look at it, you're not allowed to touch it, it goes into a bag then you can get the bag after you have paid them. And so it's just not a great user experience. Discuss the user experience of medical cannabis uh, in Washington state. Man. I
3: mean, we had a, I mean, there was a, a, a golden era in Washington where if you were a medical patient, uh, you, I mean, it was about the freest you ever had um, for okay. access to cannabis. And you know, your are right to, uh, to partake in it. Um, uh, uh, you know, things are completely different now in the recreational stores where uh, everything's all sealed up. But, um, where you, you know, feet? there was dispensaries. Uh, you you were know, there was, though, right? there was dispensaries that were, you know, like, uh, you know, grand, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, Palaces, and there was like the the back of the barber shop dispensaries Bodega. as well. The Bodega. and all of them had something to offer, and you know it was amazing. And there was uh, what about a lot of uh, entry, economic like, distribution throughout the community.
2: When I talk to people about getting into the industry, and I start explaining to them how expensive it can be to open a dispensary in a highly regulated or a limited market state, and they're just like, "What?" Uh, what was your cost of getting into the game and having a dispensary in uh, the medical marijuana market in Washington state?
3: Uh, they're really, you know, uh, your, your medical card was what, you know, maybe 200 bucks at the most. And, um, you know, if you wanted to get a brick and mortar dispensary, whatever your, you know, whatever you can secure your lease for. And then you just got a, a business license from whatever uh, city you're in, you're free to open up. Um, you know now it's completely different. You have you really you can't open up unless you jump through all the hoops of the liquor and cannabis board here in Washington.
2: Right. You get you get a stack of regs this thick, and those that's how you operate. And here's your security plan. And here's your uh, seat and sale tracking. You know here's your inventory management. Here's your cash handling plan. And these these applications they get very very complex like they'll be a thousand pages i mean sometimes they have page limits that are less the the round from fresno for dispensing that just happened was a 200 page application but still a, a 200 page application for a dispensary operations a lot you know
1: yeah back then it was just a a c though it was uh, that was your entry because aaron you said you were a provider right so did yep. you take your wares your your product to dispensaries and sell because that gave you a chance to have an income
3: well, I didn't. Um, I was pretty low key with, uh, my, you know, our our, our operation. Uh, really, we would just set up at the medical farmers markets. Um, so the Tacoma markets. markets. <laughs>
1: so
2: so you're he's amazed by that. You're a grower, and you go to a farmers market. Um, you have a table and an awning and just weed. So much weed.
3: Yep jars and uh medicine you know (laughs) and it was you know it was it was wonderful uh you know it was a community of medical providers and patients and you know we all um you know we competed each other but we also collaborated and um you know we, we helped each other out when we needed to you know and it was really um you know important to the people who were in it for the right reasons and the people who stuck around, um, the patient was the most important. So if I didn't have something that, um, I knew a patient, uh, would, you know, would be better for them, like a strain or a capsule or whatever. If I didn't particular if I didn't happen to have that at that time, I would make sure that I sent them to the right place because that was just the priority, you know, making sure that people got their medicine and, um, you know, like I said, now it's completely different. Uh, You go into a recreational store here in Washington, um, they cannot talk to you about your, um, you know, your medical conditions unless they have um, a medical authorization. And that's um, really few and far between here because, um, you know, really there's not hardly any medical patients to go around anymore just because you know, it's just so convenient for everybody to go to these recreational stores and um, deal with it that way.
1: But, you know, the legislature, they've tried very hard to kill the medical term, the medical reference. Uh, you know, uh, uh, being that there's no like our law, the, the legislation itself, the fact that medical is tested to a higher level when they all should be tested to the same level because it's still a consumable, a human consumable thing. So, like, wait yeah. a minute. What are you talking about,
2: Miggy? Uh, now, Aaron, like, as a producer, what type of testing and compliance did your plants have to undergo?
3: Um, are you talking about as a medical grower?
2: Right. Back in the day, when you were a medical grower.
3: None. None at all. Um, that was really on the honor system. And, um, you know, there were definitely commercial growers who were, uh, you know, putting stuff on there. Um, on their flowers that didn't need to be there, and you know that that definitely happened. Um, but you know, you, you learn to not deal with those people, and that's really all you could do. Um, but now there's no way to know at all, and they're and they're really the testing is a joke. Um, yeah. So um, even the you know the licensed producers in, in recreational in Washington, they'll they'll tell you it's a joke. They get to pick whatever uh, whatever bud they want, and that's what they send in. It could be from any strain, and they just label it whatever they want, and they just send it into the lab, the testing company. Also, here in Washington, uh, um, one of these certified labs uh, just last week got shut down um, for falsifying their test results, which
1: yep. I uh, you know they
3: all do and have been doing. You know, Even back when medical was around, they were still... Well, think um,
2: about it. Like, have you seen just grotesque THC numbers come back from tests? Oh, my goodness,
3: 37%, you know?
2: Yes, uh, it's yes. Just, really? <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen yeah. it, but I don't believe it. You know, That's, uh, I'm in your boat. I'm like, no, I just don't think that it gets to be physically possible for the plant to get to that level of cannabinoids. I don't know. I mean, I could be wrong, but... Um, I would like to see the seed to sale the testing of that 37% strain just to just to watch it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah a, the lack of standardization, the testing itself is, is something that we're going to have to achieve later on. Like right now, we just got to make it so people don't go to jail. You know, yeah. <laughs> like let's just make it so. Well, yeah, has a we, also,
2: we have to be vigilant about the industry itself. You see, this industry didn't have to be how it is currently in Washington state, where it's very, very uh difficult to get into and out of and to i mean you can get in i'm assuming that there's licenses for sale because it's a grind and so some people want to exit businesses but uh how what what's your entry into a washington market it has to be buying a license what are they going for aaron do you know
3: what the Um, price well you know it depends right right now um in washington um So the way they did it, they limited the retail licenses. You know, they had a lottery for those, but the producer processor licenses, um, they put no limit on except for, you know, the overall canopy space for the entire state. So they licensed thousands of uh, growers um, originally, and then, um, you know, only a few retailers for them all to sell to, um, which really isn't even fair to the producers when you think about it, because. You know, the, the law um, states that there's, uh, there should be 556 customers for these people to sell to. And the state, you know, still hasn't even opened up all of the stores that they're supposed to have for these thousands of producer processors to sell to. So it's, it's an extremely competitive market over there. So depending on which company you're talking about, um, you know, that's going to depend on the value of the license over there. Uh, on the producer processor side. On the retail side, it's really tied to what jurisdiction the uh, retail licenses are locked into. Um, a Seattle uh, retail license is going to go for millions of dollars, probably, you know, two to three millions of dollars just for the license alone, let alone, um, you know, the business attached to it. Right. Um, you know, and then in other parts of the state, you know, it's, it's going to go down from there.
2: So you have to get in through the, the purchase option. And, and then it seems like even if you do get in through the purchase option, man, uh, trying to be like a, an upstart retailer there, I'm sorry, upset our upstart cultivator is the only way you can go. And it would just be, I, mean, I just, I, I don't even know if you'd be able to break into the market with so few people that are out there to buy your stuff.
3: It's extremely competitive. And, um, uh, unfortunately here in Washington, uh, you don't allow vertical integration with the growers and uh, retailers, but it's still happening. So a lot of the retailers and growers have these um, whatever uh, under the table deals or but really, you know, they, it's really the same person who owns both of them anyway. Hey, but, uh, um, you know, course. so they're really just doing business with themselves and that, for if, if you're a producer you're, you're a small producer just starting out and you don't have that kind of relationship with any retailers you're really in trouble
2: man so like we just can't rely on our youtube channel and be like hey miggy uh can we get like a, a grower license out there and then just be like hey man go find our products at a store near you <laughs>
1: i mean that'd be great but we had kush kush on aaron you know kush kush up in the uh, uh uh whatever north uh up north in Washington. But Kushkus, he's an out-of-stater. And, you know, a lot of the winning growers were legacy growers, right? Local Roots, uh, Mad Mark. You know, these brands, people were able to get picked up, and they, they didn't go out of business right away. They had a, a chance to there. But to get that license and to start off, yeah, you. this is the problem with the, the whole Washington market is we don't know who's what when you're buying a, a brand. Like, White Label's a thing. Like, we can go out and get our, our own brand, but I mean, you have to inspect the grow. Consistency is not going to be a thing unless you are the grower. And at that point, that's why the, the, the medical market was so good. There were so many growers. Quality per yep. uh, It was always an option. I didn't have – I wasn't obligated to one ounce. I would buy a quarter here, quarter there, and the best quarter wins. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm telling you, you man, know.
2: we should be peddling our own quarters eventually. Nice. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah. I'm all about it. But the Washington market back in the day was the purest of capitalist American Kana. I mean, like, it gave everybody a chance. There were, there was clones for sale in some of these markets. I could have took that clone. we well, it. have
2: to have clones for sale. Some strains are specifically clones.
1: We don't, not in our 502 recreational market, though. That's what I'm saying. Like,
2: But, like, the were. genetics are clone only. And so, like, they have to be clones.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I could have took that clone, grow it, split it with me and uh, the girl and took it back to the dispensary and sold some would have gave me a chance to have some extra income. It was the the great equalizer, but people with dollar signs in their eyes came and everybody up, you know? (laughs) Do you think they do
2: this for the other industries? Do you think these greedy motherfuckers, they come in, they're like, listen, I'm going to tell you how we need to do big pork. I'm going to tell you how we need to do big beef. And then for some reason, you know, they all kind of turn out to be these caricatures of... Just grinding out everything they can to make as much profit in in the next three months, and say whatever they need to say to justify it.
3: Well, I mean, they they probably did. There's you know there's stories of abuse. You know, yeah. I mean, see like the old Western movies about how the ranchers, you know, the small time ranchers got pushed out of business and all that stuff. But you would think by you know 2012 or 2015, whenever. Or I guess 2014 when they actually started issuing out these licenses. Um, you think we would have learned better by then? You know.
1: You know the great equalizer. Equalizer. I got no word for that.
3: Equalizer.
1: But, equalizer. That'd be it. But like the the opposite of that. Because <laughs> hey, you know what we missed about three minutes ago though. Oh, I'm going to take one of these bumps. Yeah. Do it. All right. Yes, it is <laughs> i would do mine now but i'm at work so i'll be doing oh. it in about an hour <laughs> working for the weekends are you trying to get you it know, i'm just a lazy stoner who, who works on electronics and does shit that's all but you know my, my the thing is like back in washington's early days everybody had a chance uh they screwed us but what I'm trying to get at is the repression with the minority community and how it's always been a tool to to, to control people, to, to subjugate. And, and through that, it's through paperwork. That's how they, it's not like we can't be blatant racist. That's
2: how they caught Capone.
1: But I'm just saying, like, we can't be blatant racist, right? We can't create a law that says, all right, we're going to hurt all the people who are hurt by this bad law how are we going to do that well we're going to focus on poor neighborhoods no you can't write a law because this is america and now i can't say black brown yellow in the law you know i can't i can't designate this law for a certain color cuz that's racist but the shit uh, beforehand was racist
2: so it's it's yeah. it's also unconstitutional it violates exactly you know due process equal protection but that's one of the reasons why illinois drafted it in such a way and so like i mean we had uh, queen on from the drug policy alliance last week And you could look at the the data because like the data is out there. The arrest data set is out there and and it's growing by the day. People get arrested for for marijuana every day in this country. And you could see based on the demographic data as to the things that was filled out when that person was arrested, who's getting arrested. And it kind of speaks for itself. And so like when you have these social equity um, uh, license types where you say, well, if you were arrested for this, then we know base rate, you got a 75 percent chance of being black or brown. You know, and because of that, that's that's how they've tried to uh, get around the unconstitutional saying like black, brown, you know, I mean, the, the Ohio law was the worst one where it just said semicolon and listed every race and then a parenthesis about their race. So it'd be like Hispanic. Parenthesis Mexicans, you know, <laughs> Asian, yeah. parentheses, oh, yeah, like, and it got struck down. You're like, oh, my gosh. It was like literally everything except for white was defined as like an inf- not an inferior race. But it, it, was, yeah. it was one of the more hilariously bad social equity uh, uh, legislative drafts that I had seen.
1: Aaron, uh, what do you think would be good social equity for you? Like we, we got like 20 freaking review boards here in Washington state all coming together now. Like everybody wants to care about social equity now. What do you think would help social equity like how can we implement it here in Washington without the verbiage of black white brown blah blah
3: um, so you have to go with uh disparate impact right the um uh, whatever communities were uh disproportionately impacted by uh basically the war on drugs um, you know and it's uh you know, it's it's just really uh, semantics, but you know, because of was the high one thousand here in Washington, um, we really can't do anything to um, you know to change the the current makeup of things uh, racially, uh, because you know it's going to be a racist law to correct uh racist system
1: <laughs> <You know? laughs> i mean that's a, that's the a thing right like honestly the real way to be a fix it would put it back the way it was put it back the way this open market but now we have money involved and people with money don't want to lose their money so how do uh, we get around this right we open more licenses we we enable people from you know like you and people from the game people who actually suffered and and had a position should have a, a seat at the table now i, I think in my opinion those are the ones, those who suffered through you, the medical transition.
2: You could do the social equity round, like I said. You know, If we know the data, and so like if you are arrested or if you live, live in a disproportionately impacted area, you're going to accomplish that goal. And then if you require that uh, ownership percentage to get the uh, quote-unquote points uh, for the social equity, like they did in Illinois, where it's 51% ownership has to qualify for one of these social equity things. You will get them injected into the licenses. You may need to do a new license round that allows that. But if you put it into the calculus where like 20 percent of your score to be eligible to be placed into this lottery requires that it's I mean, like there was a lot. There was only really social equity applicants in Illinois that I mean, like it was like 90 percent, 10 percent of the people thought they didn't need it. But, you know, only the social equity and then only then only the social equity veterans won. So, like, that's how crazy the the cannabis demand would be if you guys had a license around. Well,
1: I mean, we open up, say, add another hundred license,
2: right? No, and why do another hundred? I mean, you're talking about 540 stores for the entire. How many million people live in Washington State?
3: Well, even processors. Uh, like seven and a half, I believe.
2: Five hundred shops. Can you imagine? Five hundred liquor stores or five hundred coffee
1: shops throughout the entire state. But just to um, help with the equity part, though, just they should since you can't signify color, you can signify people of legacy industry, people because there's plenty of people at the time uh, of color and mm-hmm. whatnot that were actually usually got arrested. And so, like, if they
3: have that arrest, and Wait, then you. Sorry, so, probably- are you? I'm sorry. Are you saying that's five hundred is too much or too little? I'm saying 500 is way too little. Like, you know, if you were going to do another license
2: round, like do another couple hundred social equity dispensaries and then uh, then get rid of the, and then of course, like separate the, I mean, I don't understand why you, I understand why you separate the licenses, but I don't understand why you completely separate the licenses. So you can't grow in retail. I don't get that.
3: I I get it. Um, And I think it, You know, because of the way they've allowed these, you know, basically millionaires to monopolize the market, it's actually probably a good thing for Washington. Because you know, if there was if there was complete vertical integration right now, these retailers who are you know completely dominating everything, they would control all of the growth side as well. And you know, right now they they've still dominated. They were basically you know kingmakers. they can anybody um if you have a retail store uh that's doing you know you know maybe six seven hundred thousand dollars in revenue a month you you can you have you have the power to change the life of a grower you know the owner of one of these companies you can change their their whole their whole year just by you know taking them on and putting them on your shelves right
2: Yeah, that's a lot of uh, power, pricing power. I mean, they do like ruin a company. But then that's why you always have to be careful when you're in business that you don't want to have what they call an anchor tenant or an anchor client like in the law practice or something. So like if I'm looking at my role of clients and if one of my clients is responsible for more than 30, 40, 50 percent of my business, I want to be like better not be asking that client for more work right now probably needed to diversify simply because like you never know when that's just going to be
3: turned off. And that's the point here in Washington, these people who are dominating the market, mo- monopolizing it, they're ex- they're exercising undue influence over the regulators in order to maintain the position that they have. So, mm-hmm. you know, basically they, they see us coming and instead of like you're saying, adding 200 more licenses, they're saying, no, don't do any harm, do no harm, you know, make sure, uh, you know, whatever we do, we don't want to hurt uh, what's already happening. So let's just take these 30 licenses that were never given out and we'll put those towards social equity. Uh, so that's going to be, there's going to be like 34 licenses that were either um, taken back from people who, um, you know, had violations. How can they apply for them then? If these
2: licenses have already been like revoked or or uh... How do they reassign these thirty-four licenses?
3: So it's, they're just sitting in a pool within the LCBs, you know, computer bank or whatever. <laughs> you know, they don't.
2: So they could have another application round of thirty-four.
3: That's what they are planning on doing for these social equity
2: licenses, and uh, that would be big. I mean, that'll get like a, a lot of demand uh, for thirty-four licenses in the whole state. I mean, that's gonna—that's what they call a limited market opportunity. So, the, these types of licenses, uh, for the application, it might be tens of thousands of dollars in the entire undertaking. You're probably going to want a budget, definitely in the millions. I mean, because like you're—it depends on where the real estate is, but I'm. Depends on how much you want to like lean on that real estate, you know, cause that one can really drive the the cost of opening up. But, uh, yeah, that'd be interesting.
3: Hopefully they have one. That'd be great for you guys to have a, a round. Um, I mean, that's the plan, but, uh, you know, we, we thought 34 was, um, you know, that should have just been for the city of Seattle alone.
2: Yes. Yeah. because yeah. you know? We could talk about the Detroit Legacy License. We're helping some people in Detroit uh, over the course of the next spring. They're going to be popping off 75 retail outlets. And so you're talking about Detroit, 75 retail outlets, whole state of Washington, 34 more. Come on. That's silly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Washington, the the legislation, they have a tendency to just be able to shoot themselves in the foot. And Washingtonians in in the cannabis industry – Aaron, I don't know if you uh, attended the, uh, the home grow uh, uh, testimonies in the, in the beginning, but there was one cat, the legacy guy who uh, sells seeds. Uh, I think his name is Juice or whatever, but uh, came out against home grow. And I'm thinking, if you're hmm. part of the cannabis industry, it would it behoove you to have home grow? Because it only expands the market. It expands everything. It doesn't mean, I mean, there's homebrew. I'm not
3: I buy my beer still, and I'll still buy my weed yeah um do you brew your own beer exactly (laughs) no no one's going that's not going to make a difference nobody's going to spend all the time and money and effort it takes to grow just to grow four plants it's just seriously it's it's not going to move the dial
2: yeah i mean like think about that i mean if you're trying to well i mean i'm glad that they have the opportunity i am safe access to medicine don't get me wrong and so if you need to be doing that and you need to have a garden so that you could be pulling down some ounces every month. Do it. But um, if you're going to be a hobbyist and then you're just doing it because you like to. I could see people after a year, two years that grow tents, just collecting dust, just like the treadmill,
3: you know. Yeah. I mean, so we definitely support it. We believe everybody should have the right to do it. But don't you know, don't put it forth as something that's. Uh, you know, gonna grant greater inclusion for the market and allow access for minorities into the economic opportunities being created. It's it's not, it, I don't, you know. No. Um, it's and not it's even gonna harvested. save you money, really, yeah, <laughs> and and
2: the, the cash flows are being taken. There's, everybody's taking, well, the people that have the license are thrilled with the cake, taking the cash flow, but they really aren't allowing uh, those cash flow opportunities for new participants. Uh, let alone new social, because like there's not such a thing as social equity in Washington
3: State. Are are, are we right on that? Um, no? Well, you know they're working on it. They're they're working on it.
1: Do you have any faith in them, dude?
3: Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just gonna, you know, we're just gonna <laughs> wait and see what happens with that, and uh, hope for the best. Um, you know, we did not support the legislation. But it it passed anyway. And so, you know, like I said, we're just going to hope for the best and do what we can to contribute and make sure that, um, you know, it's the best it can be. What are the bills? I'll get my my people on
2: it. And what's the name of the the law that passed?
3: Uh, 2870 was the uh, cannabis social equity um, bill that passed. And uh, basically, it just created a, Social Equity Task Force that um, has the authority to make a recommendation to the Liquor and Cannabis Board. <laughs> so, um, it's not hopefully, really. A that- uh, hopefully, they take that recommendation whenever it comes.
1: That was an interesting uh, 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 Zoom call. Did you see the? Uh, oh, you were part of the conference when they uh, they called out that one guy who was uh, part of the arrest of uh, one of the. Uh, he spoke up. There was a quite a little argument going on about, uh, I think it was from the Black Excellence uh, uh, group, uh, about how he. Uh, there's a Hispanic dude that's on the board, that's on a task force.
3: Oh, yeah. He was, um, he was actually um, the deputy mayor of Seattle um, maybe 10, 15 years ago. Uh, I guess it was like, like about 10 years ago. Right when they were really doing the, the major crackdown on uh, on the dispensaries um, in Seattle, and um, you know, one of our other members, uh, Peter Manning, um, who's also my co plaintiff in the uh, federal lawsuit, um, he uh, he he dealt with him personally, and uh, you know, uh, this guy basically told him that. Um, You know, this is where we're getting calls at, um, at the black-owned dispensaries uh, from the public. So that's where the police are going. Um, But now we see that these uh, white-owned retail stores, they're not being harassed by the police or DEA or anybody. Um, And uh, people are still, I mean, I, I believe the cannabis still smells the same. So. Why why aren't they getting these phone calls and um, acting on it? There's definitely been some prejudice
1: laid out in the enforcement. of. It's been a a long, weird ride in Washington. Uh,
2: So how many of the retail licenses, the 500 uh, retail
3: licenses in Washington state, are minority-owned? Um. I know of two retail stores in the state that are uh, black owned over, you know, over 51% black owned. Um, as far as the, uh, the rest of the breakdown goes, um, it's hard to say because the information that the liquor and cannabis board is giving us is, is it's incorrect. It's uh, not transparent and um, it changes. So, uh um, yeah. Uh, we've been asking them for almost what, almost two years now, for the list of black-owned stores. Um, you know, the, the list that they're they're counting this percentage of black-owned stores. Like, what are the names of these stores so we can verify this? They won't give it to us. And they they say, oh, we'll do a public information request. You do a public information request. Um, they either stall you and tell you they'll get you the rest of your information sometime in 2022 or uh, they give you this just huge information dump of like all these random emails and all this just just crap that you're supposed to sift through and try to sort out. So they're, they they're obstructing you know and it's uh, it's something that they're good at you know.
1: Yeah, fun fact: The Washington mm-hmm. LCB settled a lawsuit with a guy who was about to sue them for secret meetings that they were holding, and they settled. So, if you want to earn a hundred and some odd thousand dollars, hundred and ninety-two thousand
3: dollars. Hey, how much did that one a nice... Because they did not want to disclose all the secret meetings that they were having prior to uh, passing recreational.
2: A Nice litigation attorney helped. And hopefully he was paid from that $192,000. Nah,
3: he, he did it pro se. He, <laughs> it was all him. Yep. Wow. That must be yeah. nice to like yeah, be to in a position. Again for 10 years or something. Uh, yeah.
2: Maybe uh, one day I'll, after I've lawed it up enough, I'd be like, you know, I'll just do that pro se. I, uh, I have enough. Help you
1: out. <laughs> Eric, can you tell us about your lawsuit though?
3: Um, yeah, so uh, we filed it back in, um, in March and, um, you know, basically we're, uh, you know, fighting for inclusion. Um, you know, we're, we're alleging that the, um, state of Washington is, um, operating a illicit, um. Uh, basically an, illic- an illicit uh, drug dealing scheme and they're doing it in a discriminatory, discriminatory manner and, um, you know, violating our constitutional and civil rights. Uh, you know, this is not something we wanted to do at all, um, but, you know, we feel like we exhausted every other alternative and, um, you know, that's, you know, what we came to. They've uh, both, uh, uh, we named, you um, the state of Washington, as well as the Department of Justice in the lawsuit, um, basically stating that the Department of Justice is allowing the uh, state of Washington to operate this illicit scheme and um, giving them federal dollars to do so. And um, yeah, so basically, yeah, we're fighting that. They uh, We fought off a couple of motions to dismiss on the side of the state and the, um, the DOJ. And uh, we believe we'll be getting a court date pretty soon here.
2: Well, that's great. Making it through a motion to dismiss is always a very exciting time. Uh, uh, but it it, We've be- had
3: uh, four motions to dismiss now.
2: That that. Uh, uh, so you could see how this can make it cost prohibitive when you are trying to litigate for your rights, unless you can find somebody that's got a lot of money and he's just going to like, bankroll it because he can or she or a firm but uh that's a lot of briefing that was a lot of writing a lot of responding a lot of time that it took to bring those arguments in front of that judge so that you could prevail on that and now you might get into some discovery and some motion practice which where things can get even way more expensive like discovery
3: can go on for years yeah i mean we've been lucky to um you know, have have uh, somebody helping us who's, you know, just really, uh, you know, amazing legal mind. Um, but at the same time, we're, you know, we're doing this pro se uh, for now. We're hoping when we do get a court date and the judge orders discovery that, uh, you know, we will be able to get a, a larger law firm to step in and help us with the discovery process because uh, we, we know that there's a ton of, dis- of corruption Going on in the state of Washington, we we know it. We just um, need to be able to get into the records to be able to get the evidence. But um, once that happens, um, that's going to blow the lid off of this whole situation here in Washington.
1: How many more industries or how many industries out there have caps, license caps? Like right, like are there gun caps? alcohol, alcohol? Is, are there, yeah, I guess so, alcohol. Like
2: Rooker, but then it's but very often it's not behind the the state like like the state of Illinois or the state of Washington very often doesn't say you know what our 4000 bars are enough you know we should we should just have a limit on the number of bars that's that's set by the municipality and then if you want to get like a, if they want to open up another bar in their city maybe their city's grown they can get a liquor license but that's handled in a municipal aspect um so yeah
1: i mean that's one way we should be treated more I mean if anything i'll give one or two things that i've or you. to like you've given employee benefits uh you created the structure for people to have rights but other than that they fucked up so much shit when transitioning period uh oregon did it right because medical at the time it was like a turnkey you went from medical to recreational but washington so many people got hurt in transition uh legacy people uh People who did have licenses, but then failed at the moratoriums and whatnot, it was just a shit show of dreams.
3: Yeah, people people com- people complained about uh, what was going on in Oregon because they said it was so competitive down there. But isn't that what capitalism is supposed to be? Isn't that what America is supposed to be about? That you know that may the best man win. You compete, you know that, and you offer you know the person who offers the best service and product to the customer is the person who's going to, you know, do the best in the industry. What What's wrong with that? You know, um, here in Washington, they basically just <laughs> provide these people uh, with these little fiefdoms where they have a captive audience. And um, unless you want to go to some other town to buy your, your cannabis or um, break the law now, you're forced to go to these places.
1: Yeah, it's not a good transition, I guess. But what else can we, so besides the license cap? Is there anything else that they can do? Do you think to, to enable it?
3: Um, at this point, it's you know, it's, it's tough. You 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 got um, you got these this exploitative situation that's really entrenched already. Um, so unless you're going to talk about taking away licenses from the people who are already monopolizing the situation. And I don't think anybody really wants to do that. So um, really that's the only answer is to add additional licenses. Um, You know, other than that, you're just going to get these, you know, situations of of tokenism and further exploitation where you have like, uh, you know, Sean Kemp um, opening up a store and well, Supposedly opening up a store in Seattle and saying it's the first black owned store in the city. But then you find out that he actually only owns 5% of the store. And, you know, really he's just the face for these people who are already millionaires from advertising the situation in yeah. the first place. Yeah. And made you know, it's important that he has a licensing deal, but um, <laughs> don't, don't try to promote it as a first black owned store when you're really just benefit, you know, it's, it, it was, that was just a, such an ugly move. You know, they're really, they are really trying to manipulate the public and exploit the situation that exists because of discrimination. You know? Yeah. 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 Here's this industry of
1: inequality. Let's just prop this guy up and say, look, we're almost there. I mean, it's just yeah. like racist saying, yo, you had Obama. So we're good. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you
2: know what I really like? My cash flows, you're not going to get in the way of my cash flows, are you? I I couldn't agree to that. Let me just take some of my cash flows and write a check to this politician. There you go. There you go. I mean, I I could just see that literally being what's going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find and follow what you guys got going on at Black Excellence in Cannabis?
3: Um, you can check us out at black or, um, uh, black excellence, um, uh, uh, the group on Facebook or black excellence in cannabis, um, on Instagram, um, any of those things or, uh, just black excellence in cannabis at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to send us an email.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like, like, and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Aaron.